to the Infertile Mafia. That's Sarah. And that's Kayla. Today we have a special guest, registered dietitian nutritionist, Melissa Groves. Hi, Melissa. Hey. Melissa is the founder of Avocado Grove Nutrition and Wellness, which I love your name, by the way. Um, she's a functional medicine dietitian, and she's going to talk to us about hormones, which we all love. Uh, she specializes in women with hormonal imbalance, PCOS, and infertility, balance their hormones, and lose weight without dieting. Is anyone excited yet? Woo-hoo. I am. <laughs> but before we get into all of those things, Melissa, tell us a little bit about so, yourself. Hi, I'm Melissa Groves and I'm a registered dietitian specializing in women's health and hormones. And I just want to thank you guys for having me on your podcast. I really enjoy listening to the show. So I feel like I already know you. Um, I love making connections on Instagram that turn into real life connections. Um, So anyway, I own Avocado Grove Nutrition and Wellness in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, but I also coach clients virtually all over the country. And the name is because avocados are my absolute favorite food and my last name is Groves and avocados just happen to grow in Groves. So... I'm a functional medicine dietitian, and I help women who are experiencing hormone imbalances, PCOS, and infertility balance their hormones naturally and lose weight without dieting. I also work a lot with women who are struggling with adrenal and thyroid issues. I opened my business in January of 2018, so pretty new, Um, and this is a second career for me. I got my first degree in English and dance, and I worked for over 15 years as a copywriter in in New York City medical advertising. So very different from what I'm doing now. And I was working 90 hour weeks, traveling all the time and just miserable. And I literally had one of those duh moments when I was like sitting in my living room in Brooklyn one night and um, I'm sitting there and I've got like four bookshelves filled with cookbooks and books about nutrition and women's health. And so it's just like, I wonder what it would take for me to get out of advertising and do something that makes me happier. So long story short, um, I ended up moving up to New Hampshire to complete a second bachelor's degree. And then I got matched to an internship I am in New Hampshire as well because you have to complete a one-year unpaid internship to become an RD. And then I passed my board exam last year and I opened my business this January. So that's pretty much my story. So cool. You've had a big year, I guess. Well, I mean, a <laughs> couple years, but just opening. A couple yeah. years, yeah. How, how has it been going with just opening your business? It's been good. I think, um, you know, having that marketing background really helps um, because I just, you know, understand how to do that. And I've done social media marketing for other companies. Um, So I've been getting the word out and growing my audience and publishing consistently on my blog and things like that. Um, You know, the first couple of months were pretty slow, but I'm almost at full capacity with clients right now, which is great in only, you know, seven months, which Uh, Most people tell you not to expect to break even, even in the first or second year. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, finding that niche uh, really helps because I'm I'm only reaching out to those people who I want to work with and vice versa, the ones that I can help the most. Yeah, you mentioned your uh, social media accounts and that's how we connected to each other because I came across your Instagram account and thought it was especially like geared toward women going through infertility and women suffering from PCOS and a lot of like good recipes on there. So we'll get into all that, but I think it's great that you, it sounds like you made the right choice, even though that's probably super scary to all of a sudden redirect your life like that. But it sounds like it's yeah, paying it's off funny, for you. you know, I, I probably make about a third as much as I made in New York City advertising. But in terms of happiness and, you know, just life quality, I'm just so much happier now. And um, life is so much better. <laughs> but is the cost of living lower where you live now? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Everything's cheaper in New Hampshire than it was in New York. (laughs) I was just asking Sarah before we started talking with you, 
we were both saying, I was saying, I wonder if she can give us some fun facts about New Hampshire because I don't know much about it. We are the live free or die state. Oh, that's <laughs> which right. Which I love. Um, what does that mean? It's, um, <laughs> you know, like, like, don't try to put rules on us. Um, so like, there's all kinds of things that are just not, are legal here that are not in other states. So like when you cross the border from Mass into New Hampshire, you'll see like all these fireworks shops and like live nude ladies and like, Mm. um, (laughs) you know, guns and just everything's legal here. You don't have to wear a helmet when you ride a motorcycle. You don't have to wear a seatbelt. It's just like, you know, give us liberty or give us death basically. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of like Missouri. sounds like. (laughs) I was going to say New Hampshire sounds a lot like Texas. Yeah. It's a lot like Wild West out here. Um, it's kind of funny, but, um, yeah, we're great. We, New Hampshire does not have mandated fertility coverage, which is definitely an issue, you know, across the border into mass and they have all kinds of like support. Um, but here that's a definite issue for people. Yeah. It's an issue a lot of places, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's getting better. Sounds like Missouri. <laughs> Again, <Yeah>. essentially <laughs> Missouri. So <laughs> New Hampshire is the long lost sister you never knew you had, Sarah. <laughs> yes. Our northern yeah. sister. Uh, well, thank you for sharing all those fun facts about <laughs> New Hampshire. Now I, I feel like I have a, a new view. Yeah. This is good. I had no idea. I had I didn't the little Missouri to the north. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay, so getting back into infertility and hormones and diets, things of that nature, um, I wanted to ask you first about detox, because I know I've heard you talk before about um, MTHFR and other gene mutations that affect fertility. And I know that a lot of women listening might be in that situation. So I was just curious from your perspective, if you thought there were any like nutrition or lifestyle choices that you might recommend for someone who's, who has a positive diagnosis of MTHFR or the COMT gene or anything else that, um, affects infertility in that way. Yeah. So this one I can actually speak to personally as well as professionally. Um, You know, in in nutrition school, we learned about MTHFR briefly, like how it relates to B12 and folate. Uh, But we were never told that it affects up to 50% of people to some degree. You know, sometimes you know, there's, there's two genes and each gene has, has two copies of the SNP. So you can have anywhere from one to four mutations. Um, so even if you have one mutation, it, it affects your nutritional status, but people with two or three mutations are, are much worse off. Um, so that's where it's important to take a prenatal that has folate in it. Um, Folic acid is the synthetic form that's made in a laboratory and people with MTHFR gene may have more trouble converting that to the active form. So um, you may also, with this gene, do better with the methylcobalamin or the adenosyl cobalamin forms of B12. Um, the adenosyl cobalamin um, is actually less likely to cause anxiety than the methyl one in some people. Um, so you really kind of have to play around with that. Um, cause if you're not getting enough of those two vitamins, um, your homocysteine levels can go up, which is a sign of inflammation and a risk for heart disease. Um, you also can risk becoming deficient in B12. Um, and if that's severe enough to cause nerve damage, the nerve damage from a B12 deficiency is not reversible. So it's like if if you're not getting enough, you really want to make sure that you're not deficient. Um, MTHFR is also important for detoxing your estrogens. Um, so your body produces estrogen, but then it has to get rid of the excess, right? So there's a two-step process that happens in the liver, and then the gut is what disposes of that excess estrogen. So MTHFR is partially responsible along with the COMPT gene for detoxing estrogen in the liver. So if you have a faulty um, MTHFR gene or COMPT gene, then you're probably not detoxing your estrogens as well as you should. And then they can hang around and they can get like sort of unpackaged. They The liver packages, packages them up into a non-toxic form and they can actually get like 
unpackaged and start to recirculate. Um, and that's when you're going to see signs of estrogen dominance, like PMS, tender breasts, um, heavy bleeding. Um, so personally, I am heterozygous for one of the two MTHFR genes, and I'm also homozygous on COMPT. Um, so when I did Dutch testing, the hormone testing on myself, my estrogen detox pathway is just crap. <laughs> like none of it is going down the right pathway in the liver. So if you do have these genes and you know it, um, it's helpful to eat a lot of cruciferous vegetables to give your liver the nutrients it needs to support that detox pathway. Um, things like cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, broccoli sprouts, and then Gross. supplements. Broccoli sprouts are awesome. <laughs> They're like just crunchy little, like they're not even as like sulfurous as some of the other ones, but they're like the most potent in terms of detox. Um, and then there are supplements like DIM and I3C, which can also help. Um, green tea, the ECGC in green tea is helpful. Any green tea? What's that? Yeah, any green tea? Yeah, like matcha or, or regular uh, green tea. Even decaf green tea still has the ECGC in it. ECGC. Please don't make me say what that is. I'm it's not, like but it reminded me of ACDC. Oh, it made me think of BCBG. BCBG. Yeah. <laughs> like the club? <laughs> uh, I was thinking the clothing, but oh, yes, the club. The defunct I'm, club. I have a shirt from New York from that club. Yeah. <laughs> I got it from the Virgin store, so it probably doesn't really I think count as both being are cool. defunct now, so... <laughs> sad so like for anyone listening that you said that so beautifully and succinctly but if anyone's like recently diagnosed with mthfr and you have no idea what just happened (laughs) because you're just now starting to learn about it because i'm compound heterozygous for mthfr so uh, I did a lot of research myself and it was like one of the hardest things for me to wrap my brain around, like how to treat this. But basically, like you were saying, which I had never heard that it can block your detox mm-hmm. pathways for estrogen. So that was news to me. Um, but if you have that, you have trouble detoxing and you sometimes have trouble uh, mm-hmm. like vascular issues. I see women, I get very frustrated too, like who say that they're, OBGYN recommends more folic acid. And I'm like, no, don't take folic acid. You need bioactive (laughs) L-methylfolate. But that's if you have the mutation, right? Right. That's what I mean. People that know they have the mutation need bioactive folate. They can't convert folic acid into a bioavailable form. So that's why they yeah, need the and real it's stuff. So like, you know, you're probably going to spend $5 more a month on a prenatal that has the active forms in it. So it's like such a cheap fix. And I think it's such a disservice um, to women that the standard is to have folic acid because if you put folate into a multivitamin, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's, you know, so I think, you know, people are using this cheaper synthetic form and it's, it's actually harming more women than it's hurting, especially, you know, with the links to MTHFR, there's links that, you know, there's more increased risk that your baby will be tongue tied. Um, you know, obviously the increased bleeding risks during pregnancy, the clotting risks and, um, you know, potentially increased risk of miscarriage. So it's just like, why, why go through all that if you don't have to, if the fix is like a $5 pill, you know? But does folate work for non- MTHFR yes. people. Yeah, it's just... That, that's like what you... Go no, ahead, yeah, Melissa. It just <laughs> skips that step where you have to process it. So it's... You right. get to absorb... Everyone gets to absorb more of it. It's no different than eating mm-hmm. spinach. It's... You're getting bioactive folate when you eat spinach. Folic acid was created... Uh, I don't know, like in the... I don't remember when the FDA like forced it upon us and put it in all our food. It was one of those like good ideas that has yeah. since backfired. Well, like, you know, with that, the studies do show like it was so beneficial in terms of reducing the risk of spina bifida in like Birth, the general right. population. Um, but it doesn't take into account personal needs. Yeah. Um, so how does the thi- thyroid affect fertility? 
And what is, why is it important to have a healthy thyroid Yeah, so level? this is another one I can actually speak to personally. Um, I have all the things that affect fertility, which is so great. It's so fun. Yay. Um, so, yay. <laughs> You're one of us. So, <laughs> yeah. Proud mafia member. Um <laughs> So normal thyroid levels are essential for maintaining a healthy pregnancy, although it doesn't really affect your ability to get pregnant. So, um, but it does affect your ability to stay pregnant. So if you have a history of recurrent early loss, um, getting a full thyroid panel is necessary. And by that, I mean TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, and then the antibodies, the anti-TPO and the anti-TGAB antibodies. So I know it's a mouthful. Um, So most doctors use an old range for TSH and that's all they test. Um, But even the conventional doctors should be using the recommended TSH of less than 2.5 as optimal for supporting pregnancy. So when I had mine tested, it was 3.3 and nobody like ever indicated to me that that might be an issue. Um, It's just like, oh, it's not over 4.5 or whatever level they're using. Um, So I kind of had to take things in to my own hands with that and got tested and um, found that my my T3 was functionally low. So now I see a naturopath to get on a low dose of thyroid hormone and my TSH is moving in the right direction now. And that's just one of those things that like I just don't talk about with my PCP. It's like it's like I tell her that I take it, but she like doesn't believe me that it's an issue or that my number is not normal. So we just, you know, agree to disagree. Um, so I've seen that happen with yeah, other people it's like too. I kind of just see her for my like asthma meds and my referral for my mammogram and just like, you know, <laughs> Hey, see you next year. Um, so I think, um, you know, in terms of when to get tested, I think every woman with fertility issues should have thyroid ruled out first again. Cause like with the MTHFR, it's such an easy fix. It's like, just to get on a low dose of supplemental thyroid hormone is so easy and it could fix everything. It's like, that's kind of a really good cost benefit analysis. Um, so if you have like recurrent early miscarriages, if you are prone to constipation, if you have dry skin, you're tired all the time, if you have trouble losing weight, no matter what you do, um, definitely consider getting tested for, for thyroid. Is this Mine? when you're cold too? Like yeah, cold all the time is another sign. Uh Yeah, but if you live in Chicago, you're already cold all the time. Yeah, well the the thyroid is basically (laughs) like the thermostat for the body. So if it's running slow, it kind of turns everything down. One thing, like when you're when you're trying to get pregnant, that you might notice is if your basal body temperatures are low all the time, um, and they don't even really hit ninety eight even after ovulation, like that's that's a sign that something's going on there. That you're not firing on all cylinders. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I my, was just put on, what is it? Synthroid. Yeah, well, I mean, Level I'm on the generic. But um, yeah, I was just put on that and I looked up the uh, why you need to be on it when you're pregnant and it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually, you should have, if you have a known thyroid condition, um, you're, you should work with your doctor to make sure that you have like a standing lab order so that the second you get pregnant, you can go get retested for your levels because you have to monitor your levels really carefully throughout pregnancy. And often some people require doubling of their dose of whatever they're on just to stay at that optimal level. I'm aggressively nodding with Melissa. Yeah, you you had issues beforehand. I never had thyroid issues before being pregnant. So it came as a surprise. And I was like, why? The doctor said, yeah. He said, you're getting older. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing is pregnancy itself can trigger thyroid issues. So, um after pregnancy, um, there's actually some thought that a lot of postpartum depression can be attributed to hypothyroid. Um, 
anyone who has trouble producing enough milk, that can be related to low thyroid. So you want to, if you're feeling not great and you're, and it's more than just like, I'm a new mom and I'm not getting any sleep, like, um, definitely get checked out again. I have a friend who got thyroiditis when she was pregnant, after she was pregnant. She was, she had no symptoms beforehand. Mm-hmm. I've never I, uh, heard of that. Yeah. Oh, I mm-hmm. have. But I've, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism five years before I even started trying to conceive. And it was actually my hairstylist, believe it or not. Ah, hair loss. <laughs> we forgot to notice, mention that one, uh-huh. thinning hair. Yep. Because I was seeing her every however many months. And one time she was like, have you ever had your thyroid tested? I think your hair is getting thinner. Mm-hmm. And I oh never, gosh. I had never even like considered the option. And then you start looking into other symptoms that you're having. And I felt quite a bit better when I got my thyroid <laughs> regulated. So I, I mean, and then of course, like during my pregnancy, it was checked every two weeks and we did have to adjust a few times, um, just to stay on top of it to, to your point, to keep it at that like Mm 2.5 or lower level. Um, my immunologist was super aggressive with my thyroid, like wanted it to be nice and low, which I appreciated. Yeah. So is speaking of, is there anything that we can do like naturally to aid yeah, in so depending on what's going on, whether, you know, what the cause is, if it's autoimmune or not, the recommendations differ. Um, in general, um, raw cruciferous veggies are not your friend. So you'll notice this is the opposite of what I <laughs> said earlier about MTHFR and detox. So this is why you really want to work with a dietitian if you can to like nail down that ideal diet for you personally. And it's also why what works for your friend is not necessarily going to work for you. Um, you know, everyone can benefit from making sure they get enough selenium in their diet. Um, so you can get that from two Brazil nuts a day. Fun fact. <laughs> Ooh, I know. I got Brazil nuts before the frozen embryo transfer and they're just sitting in my pantry. <laughs> That's all you need. And then um, iodine as well. Um, I'm not really at risk for it out here on the coast. We actually like breathe iodine in the seawater, um, but it's mostly found oh. in seaweed and seafood. So if you're, you know, in a landlocked state, you might want to make more of an effort to get iodine. So you're saying I don't have to eat Brussels sprouts. Um, if, if you do eat the cruciferous <laughs> veggies for thyroid, it's better if you cook them. I know a lot of people will do things like steam greens before they throw them in their smoothie, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Does that change the taste a lot, though, for the know. smoothie? I've, I've never tried doing steamed greens in my smoothie. I always just kind of sneak some spinach in there and call it a day. <laughs> That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Me too. I've never tried to put any... <laughs> well, I mean, kale, I guess. Yeah. But. Kale, you should steam first. Oh, I just threw it in there. Yeah. <laughs> that could be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about PCOS. <laughs> and okay, I'm sure you hear about the keto diet all the time. And you hate it. I can, I can tell by your face... I did did the keto diet for like a couple months before our first round of, well, our second round of IVF. And I did lose weight, (laughs) but I think it was more from not getting the normal amount of calories I usually eat more than the diet. (laughs) But tell us your thoughts on keto and why it's the bane of your existence. Yeah. So, oh my God. First off, it feels like everyone and their mother is on keto right now. Like I hear about it everywhere. Um, But what's really annoying me is like doctors, like endocrinologists um, and PCPs who are just like willy nilly recommending it to their patients with PCOS. Um, Because first of all, doctors get one hour of nutrition education ever in their education. Um, So like they're not staying in their lane and they're not necessarily understanding why keto might not be the best idea for someone with PCOS. Um, 
So, you know, insulin resistance is one of the underlying factors with PCOS. And since low-carb diets lower blood glucose and insulin, it seems like keto and other low-carb diets would be a good idea, right? Um, But it's a little bit more complicated than that because of all the hormones involved in PCOS. Um, So first of all, your body perceives a low-carb or a low-calorie diet as stress, So your body does not know the difference between a woolly mammoth chasing you down a tundra um, back in caveman days or um, running late for a meeting (laughs) or, um, you know, eating a low calorie or low carbohydrate diet. So when you're dieting or you're depriving your body of carbohydrates, your body thinks that, you know, we're about to go into a famine. And so it does everything it can do to protect you by hanging on to that weight. It's like, let's protect you from, you know, starving away. Um, And so it actually slows down your metabolism and just like puts in all these chain of events to keep you at the weight that you're at. So with stress, your adrenals start releasing cortisol, which, you know, is your friend when you're in a fight or flight situation because it helps release more glucose to your blood. So your muscles have energy to, you know, run away from that threat. Um, But when this is happening chronically over time, it leads to insulin resistance because if your blood sugar is constantly high, then those receptors on your muscle cells are going to start ignoring the glucose and you're going to start to be... um, you know, resistant to the, to the glucose and the insulin. So, um, my other really major problem with the keto diet is how low in nutrients it is. I think any diet where you have to, um, take a supplement to meet your daily nutrient needs is not sustainable. Um, and especially for fertility, I recommend eight to 10 servings of fruits and veggies a day. Um, because the antioxidants are so important, not only to egg health, but also to sperm health. So both you and your partner should be eating a largely plant-based diet, Um, you know, get lots and lots and lots of fruits and veggies. Um, And when you are limiting yourself to 20 or 40 or whatever the keto plan you're following um, is limiting you to grams a day of carbohydrate, you're just not going to be able to get in enough fruits and veggies. And you're not going to be able to get the variety Um, that you need to get the maximum amount of nutrients from your food. And I'm sure both of you know that like when you are pregnant, what's most important to the baby in that first trimester is not calories or fat or carbohydrates or even protein. Um, It's micronutrients. That's what you need during that first trimester to support the growing baby. So um, doing keto when you're trying to get pregnant um, is actually pretty dangerous in terms of the baby's health. Like you want to make sure that you are supporting that development with all of the possible nutrients you can. So, you know, I highly recommend, you know, if you are doing it while you're trying to get pregnant, that you stop um, the keto diet at least three months before you try to get pregnant or undergo IVF um, and that you take a, you know, high quality prenatal throughout the time. Why do you think... Why do you think the keto diet is recommended so often now? Do you think it's just like a trendy diet and, or maybe a better question to ask is, do you see any value in a, maybe not no carbs the way keto is, but a low carb diet for women specifically with PCOS? Yeah. So, um, I think the keto diet is definitely trendy. I think there's a lot of stuff out there. You can tell someone follow this diet and there's a, you know, they can find a million recipes that they can follow. Um, I think it's kind of lazy medicine that it's like, you know, here, follow a low carb diet and this will work. I think any diet that most people, you know, many of the the most popular diets that people follow, be it like keto or Whole30 or anything like that, any of them are going to be lower in carb than the standard American diet. I think when you're coming from a place of you know, 200 to 400 grams of carbs a day, just cutting back is going to have an effect on on anyone. I usually recommend a moderate carb approach for women with PCOS. So um, always balancing the carbs with protein and fat, um, you know, keeping the carbs to about a quarter of your plate, um, choosing the lower glycemic carbs like the whole grains, um, the starchy vegetables. Um, but yeah, I, I don't recommend, I mean, I, I don't, 
recommend counting macros or anything like that. But if you broke it down, it would probably be around 100 to 150 grams of carbs a day, I think is a much more rational approach. You know, you can still meet. I don't ever want anyone to limit the fruits and vegetables that they're eating or be afraid of a banana. You know, nobody (laughs) ever got fat eating bananas too much, you know. (laughs) Bananas are super scary. So scary. Bananas and potatoes, I hear a lot. Like, I can't eat potatoes. I have PCOS. I'm like, please eat potatoes. They're great for you. (laughs) They're full of (laughs) potassium. Like, they, yeah, lots of fiber. Even when they're deep fried? Yeah, then they they start to lose some of that that nutrition. Covered in cheese? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe chili? Yeah. Salt? It's it's all all part of balance. I'm a big... Butter is probably a big butter fan, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of that, like, just generally speaking with PCOS, what are your best practices for lifestyle, you know? Sleep, yeah, stress, so you diet, know when your body's stressed, it deprioritizes reproduction because you know our ancestors, it's like if you were about to go into a famine or if you were in a war, it would probably not be the best time to reproduce, right? So your body like knows that, and it's like when you're making extra cortisol because you're stressed, your sex hormone production gets lowered. Um, which so are you saying everyone should just relax just, <laughs> just relax and you know it'll have no I, I am saying like lifestyle definitely like um you know in order for for you to have optimal hormone balance you want to do things to increase your resilience so you know there's we're, we're always going to have stress it's how you handle the stress and react to it that you know, is better. So like another thing, um, that I see quite often is women who are over exercising with PCOS. I see a lot of people doing those crazy cardio classes, like the orange theory and the like, just crazy cardio, um, which your body also perceives as stress. Um, so you don't really want to do that when you have PCOS, um, lifting weights is great. Anything with your body weight, you know, anything that's going to increase muscle mass and increase metabolism. Um, and then I always recommend anything that has a built-in stress-reducing component like yoga or taking a walk in nature. Um, if you like absolutely can't live without cardio, um, high-intensity interval training a couple times a week is a much better bet than doing like an hour of cardio a day seven days a week. So what I'm hearing so far is I don't have to eat vegetables. I can eat more carbs and I don't have to no, exercise. she said to eat vegetables. Eat, eat vegetables. No, I, eat vegetables. You can eat carbs and most women are exercising too much. Yeah. No, I'm going back to the recommendations for MTHFR. Oh. But oh, yeah. believe me, I'm listening just for me, guys, not for you. And I don't have to <laughs> eat vegetables and I can have carbs and not No, work she was out. saying <laughs> the, uh, wh- whatever I the word what is. I know what she was saying. The, that kind of vegetables. <laughs> Cruciferous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, I what I'm gathering from this is like, to me, a light bulb, I feel like, is going off that anything to the extreme is not good for your body. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, like, with, with the diet for PCOS, the, the main thing is to manage the insulin resistance and the inflammation that are underlying. So, you know, I recommend a largely whole foods, plant-based diet um, with enough protein to keep your blood sugar stable and then ample fat because your body needs fat to make hormones from. So like I find that most women are not eating nearly enough protein, um, especially for breakfast. So, um, you know, two eggs has 12 grams of protein and um, I have my clients aim for 25 to 30 grams per meal and at least 10 grams for a snack is kind of a benchmark. Um, And then like if you think about um, a meal in terms of a plate, you want half your plate to be non-starchy vegetables or fruits and then a quarter protein and then a quarter carbs. And that can be anything. You know, I hear all the time like, I have PCOS, I can't eat pasta. It's like, well, yeah, you can have pasta, but 
you know, four cups of pasta is probably not the smartest, but like you can have up to a cup of pasta and then fill your plate with all those other things like eat a salad, eat some, eat more meatballs, that kind of thing. Eat some cheese. It's all fine. Um, and then like the quality of, of the food matters. Um, you know, your grass-fed animal products are going to be less inflammatory because they're higher in the omega-3s. And then the other thing, all the time I get asked about, you know, cheese, cheese and dairy. And, um, the, you know, the most recent studies, um, are that full fat dairy is better for women who are trying to conceive. They have, um, more successful pregnancy outcomes. So, um, and the, the reason for that is when they take the fat out of milk, it takes away all the estrogens, but it leaves all the androgens behind in the solids. So, um, yeah, so it actually can make PCOS worse if you're eating a lot of low-fat dairy. So, um, yeah, crazy, right? Um, so, like, the most common thing that I see is that most women with PCOS are not eating enough. Um, you know, 1,200 calories a day is not enough to support a four-year-old child, you know, not not even a full-grown adult. Mm-hmm. I think that, at least for me personally, is confusing. I'm sure it is for some of your clients as well, To I'm trying to lose weight, and you're telling me I need full-fat dairy. Yes, and to eat, and like, to eat what? more. <laughs> and to eat more of it, but it, <laughs> explain why it, that works. It, it works. It's um, yeah, it's amazing. Like you know, I had one client who came to me um, who was like two, you know, over two sixty, two sixty five maybe, and like was eating two meals a day and no snacks. And like her doctor thought she was lying to her about how much she was eating. And um. I got her to add breakfast. I did, you know, did a little tweaky things with her diet. And, um, you know, without trying, she went down like 20 pounds in like two months, you know, without trying and eating more. And she, she would be like, I'm, I, I'm having trouble eating this much, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of intermittent fasting? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's another one of my... Um, so actually, do you, um, have you guys heard of that blog, the Mark's Daily Apple? He's like a big paleo guru guy. Um, so, I've never heard of him. Okay. So anyway, first of all, most of the intermittent fasting gurus are men. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Um, and they, you know, it's kind of hard with men because men are so simple. It's like if you literally <laughs> switch men from like you know, to light beer for a week, they're like down 10 pounds. Like it's just Not like, fair. yeah, it's, it, they're so simple. So like intermittent fasting seems to work really well for men. Um, but I was actually really psyched that Mark's Daily Apple, um, a couple weeks ago posted a whole blog about why intermittent fasting doesn't work for women with all the research. Um, and again, it goes kind of back to that, that idea that when you're under stress, your body deprioritizes reproduction. And so there was like a mouse study and the mice, the female mice who fasted actually lost um, ovarian mass and their hormone levels were lower. So like if, if reproduction is your goal, um, fasting is not necessarily the best for that. And also, um, you know, the same thing with the stress hormones, if you're increasing cortisol, you could actually end up gaining weight in the wrong places. Like you could gain belly fat if you're trying to, to fast. So um, what if, I do, sorry, what if reproduction no, no, is not your goal <laughs> if for you women don't care, with PCOS? If you don't care if your ovaries waste away. Um, well, the thing, the thing with, <laughs> with healthy menstruation and, you know, it, it has to do with reproduction, obviously, but it's also like the canary in the coal mine. Like if your hormones aren't functioning and you're not ovulating and you're not getting a regular cycle, that is a big sign that something is up with one of the hormone systems in your body um, that needs to be addressed. So like getting a menstrual cycle regularly is actually a, considered a vital sign. It's like, it's like a, you know, mm. if, if it's not happening, something's up. So I don't, re- I don't recommend like, you know, I think subduing your whole <laughs> hormone system. Yeah. I was, I wanted to ask you about, I assume you probably agree with Sarah and I that 
prolonged years and years of birth control to quote, like you're basically masking your symptoms, whether it's for endometriosis or with PCOS manufacturing your cycle and not really getting to the root cause. Yeah. I was going to, um, talk about that later, but, um, yeah, it's a myth that birth control pills regulate your cycle. And again, that's just lazy medicine. I think women go to their doctors and complain that their cycles are irregular or they're getting acne or they're getting cramps or they're not having a cycle. And the doctor's like, okay, here's a prescription for the birth control pill. Um, and what it's actually doing is shutting down your cycle, um, which you guys know because it's used for downregulation with IVF. Um, so the bleed that you get when you are on the birth control pill is not an actual period even. So like I hear a lot of women say, well, I had, I had regular periods when I was on the pill, but it's not a period. It's just withdrawal bleeding because you're going off their progesterone. Um, so there's, so what's the point? Um, the point is the symptom relief. And I think cause it keeps the women. No, I mean of Oh, okay. keeps the women quiet. It's like, oh, like I'm not going to my doctor all the time complaining about my periods because like now I'm on the pill and everything's fine. I think it's partly population control too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember theory. that's your, your theory as well. So like, you know, I, I find that a lot of women go on birth control early. Um, you know, so some women, especially now, I'm seeing more and more women diagnosed early. I mean, I have, I have a client who's 16 right now who was diagnosed at 14. Um, and, you know, I think you go on the pill early and then when you go off the pill in your 30s because you want to get pregnant um, and then your cycle doesn't come back or your like symptoms come back with a vengeance, you know, like the facial hair comes back like raging when you go off the pill. Um, acne is worse after going off the pill than it ever was before. So yeah, it's, it's a real problem. Um, because it's just suppressing those like it's not address again it's not addressing the the root yeah, cause yeah i mean so. it's like we all i mean i was on the pill myself for years and years and years it's like we did what we could with the knowledge that was like the best choice that we had at the time but um and i never judge anyone for choosing to go on the pill um cuz sometimes that's just like what you have to do to get through life but i want people to be more educated about what it's actually doing to your body um and that it's not actually treating anything that's great I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> uh, Sarah, do you want to stay with PCOS or do you want to move well, on to some I, listener questions? I interrupted you. I feel like you had more to say before I asked what uh, that thing about PCOS and not an intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting, but oh. we can move on from that. Um, someone asked if there is a way to battle metformin, like the effects of metformin. Yeah. So the nausea and the GI side effects, um, I've heard, you know, taking it at night might help. Um, if, yeah, it's a real so bitch. Heard, um, you know, it's like, you don't even know how it's going to affect you, whether it's diarrhea or it's nausea or what's going on. Um, so I think, you know, some people get through it by taking it at night. So taking it with dinner is probably the best. That way you sort of sleep through the bulk of the symptoms that you get after it. Um, if you're nauseous no. in the morning, like try sipping on a, a smoothie with some protein and some ginger in it. Um, honestly, like um, studies have shown that inositol is just as effective at as metformin at lowering blood sugar and controlling insulin levels. So if a woman hasn't started metformin yet, when she comes to see me, I usually advise against it and we go the natural route. I took that. Yeah. Mm. Nesitol's great. It's basically a B vitamin, like really safe. It benefits a lot of women with PCOS. I didn't have any like stomach issues mm. or anything. So yeah, I, I don't know what people usually have with it, but I mean, metformin, raging I do want to say, um, you know, with yeah. the metformin, um, and I see this all the time. Um, I see, so metformin can deplete your vitamin B12 levels, which we already talked about how like the damage from that can be permanent. So, um, 
a good doctor should test you regularly for your B12 levels and make sure that you're where you should be. Um, but I see it all the time that they don't test women and they don't recommend B12 supplements. So I always, you know, make sure B12 is on point when someone's on metformin. It's a really important one to watch out for, especially if you're vegetarian. Uh, I have a question about that in just a second. Mm-hmm. But we recently had someone in our Facebook group ask about like, how do I battle these symptoms of metformin? And many of the women commented that their symptoms improved when they cleaned up their diet. Oh, interesting. So would that prove, I mean, do you think that would prove to be true? In other words, taking out like junk fried foods and super (laughs) over-processed foods and when they were eating cleaner. I think if you take those things out, your GI tract is going to feel better in general. (laughs) Exactly. Are you judging me for drinking a Coke right now? Absolutely not. It's got caffeine, it's got sugar. I'm sure it's meeting whatever need you have right now. It's not that different from the coffee I just had. So okay. <laughs> it gets the stuff out of right. my throat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of vegetarian, we had a listener question um, from Candace. She says, I'm overweight and have PCOS. A friend of mine recommended a vegan diet, so I've been mostly vegan. I still eat cheese sometimes with low carbs for about six months. <laughs> I miss meat. I find myself craving meat. I also feel sluggish and like I have low energy. What are your thoughts on vegan or vegetarian diets for PCOS? Yeah, so I'm actually a recovering vegetarian myself. <laughs> um, I didn't eat meat for 22 years. Um, I did eat fish and eggs for a really long time. Um, but it's only in the last like four months or so I've started adding some meat back. Like I actually started to crave it. Um, and I welcome home. (laughs) And I only eat red meat and I only eat it like once a week. Um, so it's kind of like medicinal, but I get like such a jolt of energy (laughs) from it. Um, I think, you know, the B12 and the iron, and it's just like a really good source of those things. So, um, I'll just put that out there first. Um, so a vegan or vegetarian diet is great. Like if you're eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, although it's totally possible to be a junk food vegetarian. Um, so what I was... Yeah, Oreos are vegan. It's, it's true. Um, and it's crazy. <laughs> so I found that it can be hard to get enough protein on a vegetarian diet without, and especially a vegan diet, without loading up on soy um, three times a day. Um, you know, it's, so it's hard to get to that that recommended level. Um, and if you're missing meat, um, I'm as a dietitian going to tell you go ahead and eat it. <laughs> um, you know, keep the fruit and veggie level the same, and treat meat as kind of a condiment to the meal. Like four ounces of meat is is probably fine to get you to that ideal protein level. But um, in terms of meat for PCOS, it's going to help keep your blood sugar uh, level stable. So, oh, I was just imagining like a steak as ketchup. <laughs> I was like, ugh, like in liquid form, <laughs> like a condiment. Oh, yeah. I like steak sauce. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> yeah, literal steak sauce. <laughs> I think I would say like what you said earlier. Listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Like, don't ignore it if it wants something. But what Ask about yourself your cow why. friends? Yeah. It- Well, yeah, I know it's been, it's been hard. I actually have a friend who has a bison farm nearby and it's like, I, I can see the bison like walking around eating the grass and it's like, okay, these are some happy bison. And I always just like make sure to like thank the cow and, you know. Are you going to get some bison? You're going to get some bison meat? I I did. I've, I've gotten some bison from her um, and it's, it's good, but yeah, I like once, once a week or so seems to be enough for me. The rest of the time I'm like largely plant-based and eat some fish. But like one thing about being a dietitian is people always think I'm going to take away all their favorite foods. It's like people are like scared to come see me and I'm like, no, I'm going to tell you to, you know, eat all of your favorite foods. I'm going to tell you to add more things to your diet to, you know, make sure you're getting what you need. 
You're yeah. not very scary. I'm, thank thank you. you for I'm, I'm a pretty non-intimidating dietitian. <laughs> Thanks for not scolding me for drinking Coke. That's what I... Yeah, no, it's serving a purpose for you. Rock, rock on with your Coke. I'm addicted to it. That's the purpose yeah. oh. of it. Okay. <laughs> we, we can maybe get into that another time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Another, did we have another question from people? Uh, well, I've been looking like Melissa has done a great job of answering a lot of these already. Yeah. Natalie's question. She definitely answered that one. Yes. About uh, the doctor not believing that she was losing weight and just kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we've seen that a lot in our Facebook group where people will say like their doctor has been like, you have to lose weight or they don't believe them that they're losing weight when they might just be dieting wrong. Like you said, like starving themselves or just Mm -hmm. not doing a diet that's good for them personally based on their specific need. Yeah. So I think maybe to tack on to that would be this other question from Instagram from someone who said, what would you suggest for starting to change your diet? Like if you know you have PCOS, where do you begin? Yeah. I usually start with protein. Um, you know, I start by making sure you're hitting those protein numbers at, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. Um, you know, it's that idea of don't eat carbs alone because they're going to have the most impact on your blood sugar. So, um, I get people, you know, pretty comfortable with getting their protein levels up to where they should. And then depending on how many, um, you know, and that, that's also personalized, you know, like, like for one of my clients, it was adding cheese to her afternoon potato chips. Hmm. You know, it's like, okay, well, we've got some protein <laughs> and this is going to affect her blood sugar less than eating the chips alone. So, you know, it's, it's really personalized based on where people are, but, you know, getting them comfortable with that and then starting to add more fruits and vegetables in, um, depending on where they are when they start. If people can't like necessarily afford to see a nutritionist, I mean, obviously that would be great if they could, but if they can't, are there any resources you recommend? Like I know your website, which is avocadogrovenutrition.com has a lot of great resources, but are there any other outlets that you might recommend or ways that they can sort of tackle a new PCOS nutrition lifestyle? Yeah. Um, so I have a Facebook group that's free and I give a lot of information out in there as well. Um, and that is the facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash avocado PCOS. Um, and yeah, I, I do a lot of stuff in that. I, I'm working on putting together a course that's going to be more affordable so people can go through it on their own time. But that's probably not going to launch until January because I do get a lot of requests to work with me. And it's just, you know, either um, they work in a state, they live in a state where I can't see clients or, Can you, you know, see they just can't afford to work with me. Um, I, I don't <laughs> think I can. I, I, I would have to look, I would have to look at what the regulations are. Um, state regs differ depending on, you know, where you are. And some of them are a lot more strict than others. Oh, come on, Melissa. It's your sister state. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I give a lot of information in that Facebook group. There are a few like, um, resources that I trust. There's, um, a couple of other dietitians who specialize in PCOS. Um, there's the Hillary Wright has a book uh, about PCOS and, um, Angela Grassi is, uh, the PCOS. She runs PCOSnutrition.com and she's been doing this for far longer than I have. So she has a lot of great information on her site and everything is evidence-based. There was one question from Instagram that came recently like right before we started i think while we were talking uh, in real maybe. time <laughs> uh and it it spoke to me too <laughs> what do you tell people who don't like to cook oh yeah so everyone doesn't like to, I, I get so many people who don't like to cook i think it's because like of my target audience but women in their 30s and 40s like who especially my single women they hate cooking um so i usually say to broaden your definition of cooking 
So heating something up is, you know, counts as home cooking in my opinion. I'm a big fan. Like my partner was just (laughs) away for two weeks and I had to feed myself for two weeks. Um, So like my dinners got a lot less fancy than they usually are, but like, you know, having a half a bag of a shredded salad from Trader Joe's and then topping that with like a salmon, a frozen salmon burger and an avocado, like that's a perfectly balanced dinner, you know? Um, so yeah, like broaden your horizons and also just like, just because you're getting takeout doesn't mean you have to get the like Kung Pao deep fried chicken takeout. Like you can get steamed shrimp and broccoli (laughs) and like sauce on the side and then, or add your own fat at home. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of quick, like half scratch kind of ideas for feeding yourself in under 10 minutes. Yeah. I need to be told what to order when I go out. (laughs) It's so funny because like I started, um, you know, developing recipes on my website and I would, you know, feel like I had to develop these things that were so fancy and beautiful looking and all this. And then I'm like, okay, my clients don't actually cook. So like I've started recently developing sheet pan dinners where it's like you put everything on one pan and it's done in 20 minutes. So like anyone can put things on a pan and turn the oven on for 20 minutes. (laughs) Like that pretty foolproof. Yeah. And most of those are on your website. Yeah. I have the recipes up on my website. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Should we go to out of the box? Yeah. Kayla. Lightning round. Are I you ready, am. Melissa? I'm a little scared. We want to get to know you outside of your box. I'm a little scared after the dirty underwear um, versus dirty underwear a couple episodes ago. Oh, <laughs> this, this one is not as bad. No. No, not cringy know, at all. I know Cassie on a personal level, so I felt okay, okay asking her that, but I don't think I would ask someone I just okay, met maybe next those time. questions. <laughs> yeah, there <Yes>. you go. <laughs> we'll ask you about your dirty underwear next time you come on. <laughs> um, Sarah, I'm going to ask some of the some of these shorter ones and then you can ask some of the other ones if you want. I'll ask the first ones. Yeah. But I'll go, okay. I'll ask these quicker ones. Okay. Okay. And I'm, wait a minute. Am I the one answering or are you guys answering? You too? are the only one answering. Everyone listening uh, already knows us way so too well. <laughs> sure. So, all right. So it's a yeah. hot box out of the box. It's a hot box out of the box and just whatever comes to your mind. It's not, there's no right or wrong answer here. All right. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> What <laughs> I'm sensing that you're nervous. Don't be. All right. <laughs> okay. Start with an easy one. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Ooh, salted caramel. Mmm. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> That's a good one. What or who was your first celebrity crush? Ooh. Okay. You're gonna know like exactly how old I am with this one, but Kyle McLaughlin, Agent Cooper. Yeah. Oh, from Twin, Twin Peaks? Peaks? Yeah, I was like in my senior <laughs> year of high school. I like, oh, you guys nice. like nerdy guys too, right? Yeah, he was like my first nerdy, right. nerdy guy crush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be your celebrity crush now in 2018? I gotta say I'm digging Shamar Moore lately. Oh, That's what I was he's, just thinking. He's we like, love and him. And I did him so much on the last show, but now on SWAT, he's like, whew, Yeah. <laughs> He's so I fine. Seen that. <laughs> um, do let's see. I think I know the answer to this one, but dogs or cats? Cats, save four. <laughs> but I'm I'm like I love all animals. I'm kind of a Snow White. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how good are you at badminton? Uh, like a four. It's probably been like 30 something years since I've attempted it. <laughs> I'm glad you even know what it is. Yeah, that's like, that's like a New England waspy sport, right? <laughs> is it? So, I'd say so. It sounds like a New yeah. England sport. Like, what's another New England sport? Like, croquet. Polo. polo. Yeah. <laughs> croquet. Croquet. Yes, croquet. It seems like people who play mm-hmm. croquet would play badminton. We had a net when I was growing up, actually, in my backyard. Um, yeah. Really? Oh, wow. I had I had yeah. no idea. I must have been channeling your childhood when I came up with that question. 
Um, would it be wrong for vegetarians to eat animal crackers? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay, good. Um, what are your thoughts on Kanye West? Is he a genius or an idiot? Oh, if my guy listens to this, I'm going to have to say he's an idiot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's a little out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't really care, but my guy would get mad if I like wrongly said I thought he was great. (laughs) (laughs) He's so polarizing. People love him or hate him. I think he has a nice smile mm-hmm. when he smiles, but when he doesn't smile, I saw him perform. He has a resting bitch face, like on one of those shows, like a music show a couple of years ago, and he's wearing like man jeggings, and I just couldn't really get over that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think man jeggings are a good idea. <laughs> With like a skirt, like he had like a leather skirt on over it. It was so weird. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Um, do you have any quirky habits that you wouldn't mind sharing or like quirky hobbies? Hmm. I, ta- I think I know one. I talk to myself all the time. Oh, you do? Yeah. What, what yes. do you think? I heard you brew your own kombucha. Oh, I didn't realize that was like quirky. I just started. Yeah. I got a baby scoby from a friend and, um, nice. yeah, I've been doing it for a couple months now. Um, and it's fun. It's like, it's definitely reducing my cost for purchasing kombucha uh, is way mm-hmm. cheaper to brew it yourself. So, so yeah, that's kind of quirky. Um, another quirky thing is we have chickens. I have my own. Yeah, they're not mine. They're my landlords, but we have nine chickens and three geese in the backyard. Wow. And um, yeah, it's, do you I get do. to eat they, their they eggs? They bring us eggs, which is awesome. It's like best landlords ever. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Sarah, do you want to ask them? I think that's all that I have. Okay. If you were arrested with that, with no explanation, what would your friends and family assume you had done? <laughs> oh, crap. Um, probably assault. <laughs> I am still a New Yorker at heart. I probably punched someone in the throat <laughs> you're assaulting all the re's that are recommending the keto diet yeah, one by one just went, went, <laughs> went, <throat> punch. <laughs> okay would you rather live without internet or live without a excuse me sorry the coke would you rather live without internet or ac and heating oh geez that's really hard um Probably. <laughs> this is so terrible that times have changed so much that I'd, I'd rather like freeze and sweat and have my internet. <laughs> <laughs> that really is a Sophie's choice if there ever was one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Would you rather have a golden voice or a silver tongue? Mm. What's a silver tongue? Like where you can like convince like someone people to do something? Yeah, you're super witty and super yeah. like savvy with your words. Um, wow. So I always like, obviously, I have a unique voice. Like people talk to me once, and then they like remember me the next time I call. They're like, "Hey, how you do?" Like at doctors' offices and stuff. They're like, "Hey." Um, I think nice. the silver silver tongue is more useful. Yeah, yeah. That's like, would you rather be a Gilmore girl or someone who can sing? Oh. You know, Gilmore, Gilmore Girl, Girl yeah. for sure. Uh, a friend and I almost went to the, they do the, conve- the convention <gasps> in Connecticut. Like, I think they've had two now. Oh. Um, and we almost went and it was sold out. Like, we tried to get tickets the very oh. first day. I know. It's like going to be like Dream Girls Weekend, you know. That would have been and so Stars fun. Hollow. <laughs> Are they... Yeah, did they show up? Like, do Alexis Fidel and so, like, Lauren not Graham? Not the main main characters, but I think like Kirk was there, and sure. I think like um, I forget <laughs> what's her name, Keiko, Keiko, yeah, Dana, yeah. like her, uh, like her best friend, her best friend, Lane. Lane, Lane. Lane. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. That would be super fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would totally fangirl the whole time I was there too. <laughs> yeah. I think that good answer. Yeah, th- I think that was all we had for out of the box questions. All right. Yeah. Do you? Before we wrap it up, can you 
do you want to just like give us any last parting words of wisdom and then obviously tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, no, thank you. I think, um, you know, if you have any more questions, like definitely reach out. Um, you can find me on my website, um, which is just avocadogrovenutrition.com. Um, I'm on all the social medias, but I like suck at Twitter and Pinterest. Um, so I'm most active on Instagram. So that's the avocado underscore grove underscore nutrition. Um, I also have a free download of a hundred snack ideas for PCOS that you can grab on my website. Um, there's my free Facebook group, which I already mentioned. Um, and then I'm, a, I'm also in the infertile mafia Facebook group. So if you have any questions there, feel free to, to shout one out there too, but this has been super fun. I, I'm glad I served out of box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we went easy on you for that one. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This was great for us too. Like sometimes it's refreshing when Sarah and I can like talk to someone who actually knows what the hell they're talking about. Uh, Very you know, true. Hopefully you won't get any back check comments on this one. Hopefully. Well, we'll, we'll see. If we do, we won't All correct right. them. Okay. And it's probably something we said. <laughs> right. It won't be anything you said. It'll be something we We're said. We're always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. But once again, thanks so much for joining us. And for everyone else, as always, join our closed Facebook groups called The Infertile Mafia and The Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to hear more talk about eggs and balls and stuff and PCOS and all things from Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> In our next episode, we're talking about our favorite forgotten people who ride the crazy roller coaster of infertility with us, our partners. And yay. yay. Melissa, thanks again for coming on. Uh, would you want to close out the show? Oh, she already said the eggs and balls and stuff part, which is my favorite. But yes, we'll <laughs> you can yeah, say, it again. say it again. Right. We'll see you next time talking more about eggs and balls and stuff on the Infertile Mafia. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>